All right, we are live, live from the Hammock Purple Friday podcast here. This is our first video, I think, with all three of us doing this. Uh, yeah. Trey and I used to do this a while ago until, you know, Facebook had their issues. But we found a new platform. Let's hopefully see how this works. Um, but anyway, um, before we get started, we're going to send this out to the Baltimore Orioles just because uh, I know we're getting the football season. Uh, Orioles, I think, have the second best record in baseball right now. They had a heartbreaker last night to the to the Astros. Uh, they were up at one point, I think, like six to one, something like that. And then, you know, the Astros, like the, the defending champs, you know, they came out there and made it a game. But at the end of the day, it's, it's one loss. I, I saw the comments; people were acting like the season was over already. <laughs> yeah. um, but also, I don't know. If, I don't know if you guys heard. Speaking of uh, when that went down. Uh, there were chants during the game about, you know, free Kevin Brown. Um, so for those of you that don't know, uh, Kevin Brown is a broadcast, what well, is a broadcaster for uh, the Baltimore Orioles. He's on Masson. And um, he made a, uh, during the, the Rays series, I think back in July, he made a, uh, he just stated the fact like the, the Orioles hadn't won a series okay. there. And uh, what they were it was like five or six years or something like that. Like uh, the last 15 series they've played against the Rays, they haven't beaten them in Tropicana Field in Tampa Bay. Um, they did end up winning that series in July. However, once that series was over, we haven't seen them. I didn't even know if this was happening until a couple of days ago when they mentioned, oh, he's been suspended indefinitely. And everybody was like, oh, I'm expecting some, you know, he said something on camera. He said something derogatory, like, nah, this was literally just him reading out a stat saying that the Orioles hadn't been good since 2015, <laughs> 2016. And the, the fans kind of made Angelos and the ownership and the front office kind of feel hear it. And um, it's just a, it's just sad that the Angelos family had to kind of put their, you know, foot in their mouths at this point when the Orioles are trending upwards not only are they you know um looking at the playoff you know birth but looking at possibly winning the division as well uh first time i think since 2014 and not even that they were they they were broadcasting that they were mentioning the astros orioles matchup i got an alert on my phone saying possible alcs matchup and i was like I know we jumping the gun a little bit here, <laughs> you know, yeah. about them getting to the ALC. We're just happy they make it to the playoffs with AL. Mm-hmm. Like this team has been good, even hot. And it just kind of was a little bit, you know, of a downer that, you know, I didn't even know about this Kevin Brown situation, but apparently the ownership is bringing him back Friday. He will be calling the Friday game. Um, so I'm glad that the, the, the fans, at least, and a lot of the other, uh, it seemed like people on local sports media kind of, Called the Orioles out on that. Yeah. You know, that was just, it was a shame that I even came. Like, come on. You know, so, there are a lot of broadcasts that have, spent, have been suspended for a lot of things yeah. over the last few years. A lot worse. Just saying the obvious. They must have had something personal going on in the, in the background somewhere. Like, it couldn't have just been that. It, it, I don't, that, and, no that and like, again, I don't know what else is going to come out about that. I don't know what else we're going to hear. Um, but, you know, as of right now, um, it just that didn't look good for that. Like, there's already been talks with fans wanting to get the Angels to sell sell the franchise to somebody else. And I think this is going to be the end of it. So, I, I just didn't think it was warranted at all. Like, <laughs> it didn't make any sense. 
But anyway, shout out to the the, the players, the Orioles, the guy, the Brandon Hyde, the guys on the field, and uh, everybody, the front office, and you know, ownership. Get your stuff together. Um, but we're gonna get this started real quick. We're gonna talk about this uh, college football realignment. Um, as we've all seen, um, the last this probably started. It kind of started with the ACC a few years ago when like Boston College came over and Clemson, uh, Miami, and a few other schools like came into the ACC um, when the Big East wasn't really you know handling for them. Um, but the last year or so, even in the last six months, it's been nuts. I can't even keep track now of all the teams. At this point now, they said the Pac-12 has five teams left. They said it could be by the end of the week, maybe even be four teams left. Uh, they said, I think Utah is still in there. I think Utah State is still there, uh, BYU. But I said even those schools are looking looking for a way out. Um Some people have said it's going to ruin. It's going to ruin like the pageantry. It's going to ruin the rivalry. Some of the rivals are going to be gone because they're going to be split across. Especially, you know, the Big Ten now I think has um, several schools. Like they're they're going to be or they're getting Oregon, Washington, USC, and UCLA in twenty twenty four. The Big Ten, like it's going to add, be able to add some rivalries, but that you know USC and UCLA like, are probably putting different divisions like they do in Big Ten. They're probably not going to play each other. Um, they said it's going to be an issue for um, not just the football players, but they said if you trickle down to the to the smaller sports like volleyball, even the baseball teams, uh, fencing, wrestling, whatever, they got to do the travel too. They don't get to have the same amount of budget that the football program or even basketball programs even have at these schools. So they're not going to be able to fly guys women and men out you know to these across the country games and then have them back it's back hit on monday uh for for class you know they're gonna be going back and forth like this is gonna be a real big drain on them but as we're seeing right now i think because football seems to drive a lot of the money for the for the, the university in general a lot of the football programs generate most of the money that keeps keeps these other sports programs even around so they're kind of like, look, football rules everything. Um, if you have an issue with that, <laughs> you guys can go kick rocks. That's basically what they're saying. Like ESPN, Fox Sports, all these other major sports networks are saying, we want to watch these. These are the matchups we want to watch. And these conferences are listening. And they're, that's why they're getting these 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 schools to come in. And people don't people need to remember also, they, they got to pay exit fees, millions of dollars to leave these conferences. These schools are just throwing the money now. They don't even care because they're looking at these. Big Ten has its own network. SEC's got its own network. Um, the ACC's got its own. I'm pretty sure the Big 12 is going to get bigger, like as far as the network is concerned. So the money is piling in. What do you? What have you guys? I know it's been a lot. The again, the last six months, it's been a lot of teams going over to different conferences. Not this year, but definitely for 2024. What do you think is going to do for the, the sport of college football? going Travis and take this one I'm I'm really I got nothing man I just know <laughs> the root of all of it is obviously the, the dollars and coins yep. and and whatever they whenever they find a way uh 
to make more of it, they're gonna it's gonna be some realigning. I mean, I don't see how um, their ratings can get any better. I feel like that's gonna be on a steady increase no matter what they do. Um, but obviously, this is gonna have a lot to do with TV deals, um, different, you know, more mo- more money getting made, and and maybe some schools that you know might have been on tv not as much maybe they'll get the opportunity to be but to 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 be honest i think it's still just affecting kind of the top colleges um in the nation i don't, I don't know how much of a trickle down effect it'll have i'm on the rest of the school so that's that's really what, what i would find significant but i don't know if that's really happened i just think it's more of you know what's been going on with college football so yeah it's a money play i mean it's all about the money um and I was reading like the back 12 could be done by next week, to be honest with you, because I was um, while you're talking, Miles, I was reading and they're talking about like the ACC, Scotland, Cal, Stanford, SMU. Um, you know, it just shows that money talks like, you know, you have all these conferences with these big TV deals and, you know, they they have these donors. They have the connections to different bowls. They, they just have so many. Um, entities connected to them that they're just more attracted to these schools and at the end of the day um, these schools have to make their bottom line they got to pay these huge enormous coaches contracts they gotta in in the nli nil not the nli the nil era they want to make things attractive and, and be able to cut these deals for these players to bring them in um all that plays a factor into this so i think like right now we're seeing the effects of all of that. All of the money plays that have been happening for the past 10 years, including NIL, are causing schools to put themselves in the best position to recruit, make money, and, and thrive. And unfortunately, the, back, the Pac-12 didn't evolve as as some of these other conferences did. So, I mean, RIP, like Caleb said. Yeah, it's... Um... It's crazy though, right now. You look at Texas going to SEC next year. Um, it's just it's it's weird. Like the traveling is going to get insane. Like I think a, lot, a big part of this too was um, a lot of the local fan bases. Like they were saying Oregon and Oregon State are probably going to get split up, and there's a big rivalry over there in the Pacific Northwest, and uh, especially locally for a lot of those people up there. And it's going to probably get split apart. And, uh, even in the Midwest, you know, the Nebraska's and things like that, where, you know, for fans that can't really travel all that much. A lot of the, you think about a lot of these, especially Midwest, like a lot of these people, RV truck or whatever like that to these games, um, because even if it's only an hour or two away, they can still get there. But if their team is playing in, if they're in Nebraska and now they're playing, you know, up in Rutgers somewhere, you know, or they're playing in my, you know, Miami and so they can't get over there. And then they're trying to compete with the other, you know, um, uh, students there as well. And then the, just the how they're going to play these games sometimes maybe within the same state sometimes, because some of these schools have several big colleges and could have games on Saturday now where they, they have a couple big games within, not to be within an hour of each other. A traveling nightmare that could be potentially opening up now. But again, I don't think they really thought about that. I think they just, they see the money. They see potential for, you know, having multi, multi-cast games kind of like they do on, um, uh, for Sunday ticket and stuff now. Like, 
I know before, like they, you could have games from one o'clock or wherever, but now they can kind of more focus now on the pro- they get the matches again, like they want to get the matches they want to get. So now the other one that's I think the big, really big get that people want out there is Notre Dame. Now look, I'll I will preface this before I make my statement. I do not understand why Notre Dame for the last twenty years get seems to get all this preferential treatment when nobody else gets it like they get they have their own day on they have their own thing on saturday like the nbc nbc broadcast notre dame football games exclusively i don't know anybody that gets that deal like on a major network like you're gonna get alabama and the sec and stuff but nbc broadcast notre dame football games exclusively i will never understand why Notre Dame, even like now, I get it. Like, I get that like, if it back in the day was like Nebraska back in the 90s or Miami, or even if it was Alabama and Georgia now, I understand that. But for some odd reason, Notre Dame, who gets to pick a schedule every season, the only really, you know, powerhouse football program that gets to do that, Notre Dame has kind of made it very clear that they have no intention on joining anybody's conference and still continue to operate as business as usual. Obviously, this would be a huge gift for any conference because if they were to get Notre Dame, that brings over that NBC money to NBC Universal. Because whenever Notre Dame plays, that other school also gets gets a check from that game. So if they were to bring them in conference, that just brings more money in there. So I'm assuming right now they're saying no, but money does talk. And the SEC comes calling or the Big Ten. Here's another question for you guys. Do the names change now at this point? But they got. I think they have to change the name. Don't even, don't even put numbers in it now at this point, right? No, no Pac-12, no Big Ten. They got to call it something else the because one. I, I feel like this is this isn't going, this isn't going to be the end of it. Like they're gonna they're gonna get into these conferences, maybe realize oh we don't really belong in here, and then try to dip out and go somewhere else. Like it's. I don't know. Like I feel like now they just got to just change. Don't put don't, no numbers in the conferences anymore. Just create another new new name for each conference, and then you can allow the teams to move around as they need to. I'm, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask just because I haven't been too up on this one, mm-hmm. but how many teams are we talking that are shifting at this point? Is it are we talking like upwards of uh, ten plus? It's got to be over or like way more uh, over twenty schools. Like right now, like possibly this year. Yeah. Oh, this year it's, it's like got to be two, three, this four, over seven. a dozen at least this year, right? Over a dozen. Yeah, it's like around, it's like around yeah, eleven, yeah, eleven, twelve. And then like last year, it was like another four or five last year. Yeah, I, see, I, I remember, I, I definitely remember where it's been seasons where it's been a couple of teams yeah. here and there, but this is probably like the most I've heard at one time. Um, I don't know where it probably has been more, but it, it's it seems like it's a lot more going on this this season than it is uh, in previous years as far as the changes. Mm-hmm. And you know, it feel it's bad for the smaller conferences like the AAC, you know, you know, the, the Temples and the Memphises and the stuff oh, like that. Jesus. Like how yeah. they, how are they gonna be able to compete now, you know, with these other power five? Like they, they really couldn't before, but now they definitely can. Like it's I, I don't know how you get the recruits. Like you with the, with the SEC alone, like they're gonna be getting some schools. And you have to think regardless of what team you play for the fact that you're playing in the sec with potentially probably you know you look at future nfl players in that conference it doesn't really matter what school you go to you're going to be playing against the best of the best week in and week out so you go to old miss you go to vanderbilt didn't matter 
you know, you're gonna be playing against the Georgias and Alabamas and Auburns and LSUs. You know, you'll be playing against those. And when Texas gets there, like you're gonna be playing against those schools. So I mean, it's it's gonna be hard. It's gonna be hard for a lot of schools. And uh, somebody made a good point, like you know, Maryland now with the in the Big Ten now does with Maryland when they went over what a few was that four or five years ago when they went over to uh, the AAC. They may have been longer than that. The AAC, the A from the AAC from the ACC to the Big Ten. They really haven't gotten a foothold in that conference yet. They've been trying to. The Maryland football team seems to be a little bit better this year. Um, apparently, there I don't know if you guys heard, there was a rumor going around that I think when the, one of the SEC schools was trying to pay uh, Tugavaloa like, money to transfer out of Maryland. Like They said they are going to give him like Kyle Trask money, apparently. That's whatever they said. I don't know, they, so they said kind of money. They were going to pay him maybe upwards of a million, two million dollars to transfer for out of Maryland. And he decided to stay. He's decided to stay in Maryland. So that's another part of this. <laughs> that's another part of this as well, coming down the pike. Like with all these schools now entering the same pool now for, you know, limited amount of players with the same conference, there could be several teams you know, I know they're maybe entering the, the SEC or the eight or the Big Ten or whatever. They're still they're still your more dominant Penn State's Michigan, Ohio State. They're just gonna have that capital that if you get a recruit, they can just pay them. Like, hey, you want to transfer? We'll give you throw you six hundred k, four hundred k, you know, right off on the books. Yeah, right I was watching um, Dan Levitard uh, the other day and uh, Dominique Foxworth on there. He was a you know Maryland alumni. And uh, they asked him about, you know, how he feel about the uh, college football realignment. He said, it's a little bit different when you're playing. He's like, for the fans and the, you know, people who grew up with your dad or granddad or mom or whatever, went to the school. You know, you went to the school and there's a certain, you know, stuff that goes with that. He's like, when you play for a lot of these, these college football and basketball programs, he's like, when you get there after your freshman year, all that majesty and all that. You know, college rah-rah stuff goes out the window and really it's just a business. He said his freshman year, he was redshirted for I think eight or nine games of the of the first of his first season. And then when they realized they had a chance to win the conference, they took away his red shirt and made him play those last three games to win the to win the ACC. And then they played in the Orange Bowl. He said and they played Florida that year. I think that was the Tim Tebow year uh at Florida and and they destroyed him. <laughs> um and they said he's like when you start seeing and several coaches nick saban uh jimbo fisher now have said oh this is terrible for college football meanwhile these guys are the richest people in their own states when you look at state employees it's not even close to how much money these guys get i mean nick saban makes millions of dollars the state of alabama this the school paid for his house they paid for him to sell his house and then over asking price, they bought his house over asking price. I think when he was uh, before before you Alabama, and then when he moved there, they gave him this gave him a house. They had to pay anything for it. nothing, no mortgage, no nothing. Pay everything for it. They paid the property taxes and all that. For so every time I hear a coach complain, especially college football coaches complain about any inequities or anything that doesn't seem to be going right, I'm like that just goes in one ear out the other. You guys have been benefiting off this system for decades. The only thing I hope that comes out of this is that players get bigger NIL deals. That's all I'm hoping that comes really out of this. 
Look, you get some more Angel Reese's, get more of those over in football. I mean, they're getting deals left and right. So, I mean, that's coming. That's definitely coming. And I think some of, you know, I wonder if some of these plays are to kind of like funnel more money to the schools because, you know, a lot of the endorsements they may have had before are going directly to the players. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But um, that could be something that's playing a part in all this. But. You know, I think the bigger these entities get, the more money it's going to be for the players. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, Angel Reese is already she's already like, got what was it? Um, Bayou Barbie. She's got T-shirts out now. Um, she's taking it. Look, these kids right now, like I'm sound old saying these kids, but these kids <laughs> right now, like, no, it's they, 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 like they know how to master. They know how to um use like when they get their 15 minutes especially the athletes mm-hmm. they get their capitalize, 15 minutes they yeah. know how to capitalize that especially yep. in college college athletics um when you start getting a little bit more attention a little bit more shine you, you, you gotta take it and run with it these colleges now are making millions and millions of dollars and who knows how much money they're gonna be making when these realignments come into fruition next year uh and the tv deals that come with it because guaranteed um a lot of these schools are making deals because they probably already been talking to cbs and yep. espn and stuff about getting package deals that broadcast their games and these matchups uh and even at certain times you know there's certain times of the day four o'clock five whatever for prime time access um and who knows they could have potentially you know forget you know school and everything else they could potentially have thursday night games friday night games you know take it back like a like a high school kind of thing Amazon you know games. i mean this they were talking about you know are we going to still have hawaii play at midnight like we used to like probably, that's probably not going to happen anymore <laughs> um so it's it's it was coming you know i think we all it's the money was just too the money for college athletics in general march madness and basketball and then you know with the playoff expansion coming up in, in college football uh, i think this season with the college football expansion like they're going to have more teams in the playoff now um so it was coming. It'll be interesting to see. I'm, I'm intrigued to find out what happens. I'm, actually, I'm going to be watching definitely Dion in Colorado to see what he does. Oh this yeah, year. yeah. Um, definitely just because be he's been out. getting a lot of unwarranted heat for no reason. The man's kept to, to himself and doing his own his own business, and got coaches out here commenting on what, on what he's doing. Yep. He's minding his business. <laughs> My man getting surgery and they coming at him. Right. Yeah. He might lose a foot. He might lose his foot, and they like, look, man. He's like, anyway. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see what Colorado does. You know, this year. You know, they, I think they're going to be leaving. They're leaving the Pac-12, and they're going to where are they go? Big, the Big Twelve. I think they're going to the Big Twelve. Yeah, leaving the Pac-12 so. and going to the Big Twelve. Um, so that'll be interesting to see. But anyway, um, on to our next topic. Um. So, talk about Ravens training camp. Um, before we get to that, uh, Roger Washington did get signed today. He got his extension, so shout out to him. Uh, I think he said his mom is flying in on Saturday for the game. Uh, so that would be a nice, you know, re- reunion for him. As for his mom, he was talking about how he's a single. His mom was a single parent, and uh, he learned uh, how to grind from his mom and just watching her. And you know, that would be nice. You know, seventeen million dollars richer. So, <laughs> a nice little gift. You know, yeah. for from mom and son, they celebrate. Uh, so, shout out to that. Uh, Rashad Bateman was at practice today. He was activated off the pup. Um, the only player left on the pup right now is J.K. Dobbins. 
it is rumored that he's expected to be back on Monday. That's the that's what the apparently the news coming out of Owen Mills is. That they expect him back on Monday. I don't know if that means a deal is being hashed out right now or some sort of extension. We'll see. Um, also, the JVN Clowney was in the building yesterday. Um, he would be. A, I think he'd be a nice addition to replace what Calais Campbell brought. Being having like there's a you know down line a down defensive end instead of playing him an outside linebacker. He's his his bread and butter is stopping the run. I think he'd be perfect for that here. Um, now with the Project Washington signing signing though, what does that mean for Manabeke? Obviously, he's been the better, I think, of the two, uh, especially as far as pass rush is concerned. Um, obviously, it seems like it's going to probably cost more money. Now, maybe the Ravens are like, look, we're getting the easy stuff out of the way because we're not going to take more time with this Manabeke situation. And obviously, they still got JK. Um, it has seen, though, that the Ravens on defense have been a lot more outside of Roquan have been a little bit more fiscally conservative I'll say when it comes to dishing out money you know on the defensive side you know Marlon got his money a while ago but you know I mean they paid um, you know I would say Mar- paid Marcus Williams Marcus Williams yeah you know but um, outside of that you know with, with the league you know we saw with the running back situation you know with guys like I think Chris Jones is coming up on an extension soon too expecting him to get a pretty big deal. He said he wants like close to Aaron Donald money. I don't think he's I don't know if he's gonna get that. <laughs> he's good and all, not, but not on this team. Nah, I, I, Chris Jones is <laughs> I, I don't know if he's gonna get that in Kansas City, but not I mean, on that team, yeah. <laughs> they they, they kind of I feel like they're still strapped. Like Yeah, they, yeah. they a lot of cash. They, they lost, kinda, they lo- Kansas City lost out on a lot of free agents the past like couple yeah. of years. They, yeah, they, that still, they still Patty they still win championships. Yeah, they have to home, so that's all. Um, do you think that maybe the sign when they drafted Travis Jones last year, and maybe they think he's gonna possibly replace him if they can't get something done with Metabike, that they got Travis Jones back there to kind of yeah replace. Yeah, that, I think that's I think that's what their hope is. Um, I don't know. Does does Maddie does Maddie BK have to get done as soon as possible, or like what do we what do you think we're looking at? Because I mean, they they might just let them play it out just to see, you know, what it's looking like after the first couple of weeks. I mean, I think he's up next year, right? Is he up next year? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's. I think he's up next next season. So they have to pay yeah. him this year. Yes, yeah, so I I think it's kind of going to play out. Um, I think I think I think they're just gonna let this is usually what Baltimore does anyway. They're just gonna let the play dictate um, their decisions. So I think you know maybe six seven games in they'll probably be pretty clear on what they're gonna want to do. Um, especially with starting out with the the line that we have now, all the youth we're gonna need all of those guys um, starting out this year. It's not like we have the luxury of. Um, not needing them both right now. I mean, we, we still kind of need both of those guys. So I think, you know, if one pulls away from the other um, in the first few games, then I think we'll, we'll see a deal a lot sooner than later. But outside of that, I, I don't think they're even concerned with that <laughs> at this point, even though it does need to get done. Um, I think it's seeing, seeing how they play it out, I think is going to determine when it's going to get done. Yeah. 
I think, yeah, that's kind of like our MO, like letting it play out. And you have somebody waiting in the wings in case it goes left. I think like Matabuke, though, like he's played himself into like a 12 to 15 annually, like, you know, annual contract. Um, but if he takes that next step, like, because he was on this trajectory and then he kind of like fell off a little bit. I don't know if he got nicked up, but mm-hmm. if he gets on that trajectory that he was on at the beginning of last year, like, he'd be looking at 20 to 25 million a year, um, that type of contract with him. And like, especially with a Pro Bowl appearance, like, at his age, you know, fresh off a of Pro Bowl, he's he's a he's a good pass rusher. I mean, he may play his way out of Baltimore, to be honest, um, which makes the Travis Jones, um, his development even more important. Um, so, yeah, I think, like you said, like they got to let it play out. Um, but if he's an all pro type player, I mean, does Travis Jones become a trade piece at that point? You know, if it's if it's something where you want to lock Matabuke down because he's an all pro guy on the interior of that line and he's just so disruptive and keeps to this defense. You know, don't don't we got to pay him at that point? Yeah, and I, I mean, yeah. again, I don't know. You know, I think that Aaron Donald and a couple other guys have maybe um, shown the market to be a little bit like it's it's it seems like it's getting to where the running backs are with defensive tackles. Like I said, outside Aaron Donald, you're not really paying. They're not really paying for defensive tackles. And that started a while ago. You know, with them kind of focusing more on the edge rushers and stuff like that. So um, I, I think it's. I think the Ravens are going to wait and see. Uh, obviously, after, after once the season's over, um, he's a free agent. But you know, the Ravens—that doesn't mean that he's going to be gone. I think the Ravens, you know, they did—they did draft him, and he has played. Um, and I would think that the Ra- i think the Ravens would get a little bit, maybe tr- better treatment from from him as far as looking, listening to a contract than somebody else. Because again, I, I don't think. Again, now not a lot of teams that value interior defensive tackles like the Ravens do. You know, we've had a lot of good ones over the years, and I just think a lot of teams aren't willing to pay that kind of money. So, look, the, the Ravens, you know, like teams do, they take a risk sometimes when you let a guy hit free agency, but you let him see the market. You let him see what he's what he's out what's out there, and the Ravens are sick kind of, you know, if they're offering market value and they're like, hey, look, you know, we're gonna stay here. Also, maybe longer term, we'll throw some void years in there or something, maybe a little bit incentives and stuff like that and, you know, whatever. Um, but I, again, I think that's further down the line. I think with, I think Eric DaCosta's got you know, a little more pep in his step since he got, <laughs> he got Odell here, he got Lamar signed and, you know, he's, he's still signing guys. He's still working, obviously. So, I mean, I think that's, uh, I think that will come. I think that will get, I think yeah. it will get uh, now Ronald here said comment and said he hopes he signed. I think Kyle Van Noy or is it Ken Van Noy or Kyle Van? Noy? I think it's Kyle Van Van Noy. Van Noy. Uh, yes. That's all we gotta call him. Over clowning. Um, I, I, I can understand that comment in a sense that Clowney has been a little bit underwhelming since he's been in the league. I think. Look, and I'll, I'll be the first one to say when he was playing at South Carolina. I think they played Michigan, and he lit up that running back. <laughs> that that yeah. right there made him a that number a one. Like a first moment, round yeah. That, that was a first. That that, sure. that hit right there, making him fumble the ball and recovering the fumble was like, oh, we gotta have him. Yeah, it was nasty. We got, like, yeah. When that one play right there made him a first round draft pick, 
Yeah. But since he's been in the league, he hasn't really been a good pass rusher. He hasn't heard that so, yeah. He hasn't he's been, been a good edge setter. Like he, he kind of reminds me of like a Jared Johnson type for the Ravens. Like he's he's not gonna be exposed. He may get a sack here and there if he's left wide open, you know, if no one's blocking him. Um, but he's not doesn't really have any pass rush moves. He's really more known as a run stop guy, and he's at his what? This is what he'd be his third or fourth stop now. And I, you know, I don't even think he's ever gotten double-digit sacks or anything like that. I think no. the highest he might have gotten has been like nine. Um, so, yeah, it, I'm not mad at that take um, rolling made. I mean, the downside, obviously, with Clowney is his injury history. I mean, it's just a matter of can we keep him on the, on the field. Um, when he exited Cleveland, it wasn't on the greatest terms either. So, you know, just as far as I think, I think at some point he was – on some, I'm only going on the field on third downs, but yeah, you know that yeah, you know yeah. that. But Browns have these kind of issues with a lot of players, so I'm not really going to hold that against them. But um, he definitely has not lived up to that that signature moment that he had in college, and I think that's been really the the knock. But I still think if he can remain healthy, he still be a solid, um, solid you know edge you know force. But you know. Who, who, who's to say? I mean, we Justin Houston had 14 sacks last year, and this is what year was he in? I mean, he's you know borderline retirement. Yeah, so 14 to 15. Yeah, so you never know. I mean, sometimes these players get to the get to the team and get to a new team, and then they get some new juice, and I don't know where they're able to kind of reinvent themselves. And it's not like we're used to players going to Cleveland and and, and just boosting their career in Cleveland. So, you know, I, I, I'm down to give him a shot. I mean, over Van Noy. Um, I do, I do like what Van Noy brings. Obviously, their game is different, um, and I don't really have any, any, any beef with either one. Um, so I, I would be happy with either, with either signer, really. Yeah, I think, I think Clowney. Um, I favor Clowney solely because, and I know we were talking about it yesterday. Like, I like Clowney kind of feeling that Calais Campbell role, like just a big guy setting that edge. Um, you know, being a good run blocker, being able to get his hands up and knock down some passes. I like him in that role, and that's why I kind of like him more than Van Noy. Like, if I'm looking at an edge rusher, I'm looking at Robert Quinn because he's two years removed from an 18-sack season. And I think, you know, getting in here with Dr. Rush or not going to say that other name. But... <laughs> <laughs> nah, go and say it. Nah. Mr. Sack. Dr. Sack. I call him Mr. Sack. Pause. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm not calling pause, none of that. I got a pause graphic on here, but, but yeah. Doctor, they, they call it. They, they said his name is Doctor Sack. Yeah. 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 I lost my train of thought, so I was just leaving there. <laughs> yeah. Um. No, I mean it's uh, again. This is. Uh, I think when Calais left. We, we, we saw what this defense was without him last year. Um, when that when he was the games and he was out, like the running uh, the running defense was just not there. They weren't getting any stops. They couldn't set the edge. Um, uh, I think size I think size of Clowney definitely um, matters there. I think also getting it's, it's also I think getting into the the Ravens the, just the locker room. The culture, the, I think, would have him change his attitude maybe much. Like, instead of, the, I'm going to come out third downs. And, you know, when you play for a team that's actually won something recently, that's actually, like, in the playoffs, and you actually have a chance to be, like, star of a defense, like, um, I think that would change for him. Um, now, they did say today, 
Um, the practice was very physical, a very physical practice today. They said the defense was beating up on the offense. They said it was led by Roquan Smith. They said he was lighting up guys, <laughs> running backs. Um, they said uh, Lamar did throw an interception, I think, to some guy, um, some cornerback camp defensive back. I don't know who it is. Uh, but they did say over the last few practices, the Ravens have uh, there's one I think early, either earlier this week or late or late last week, that one where they threw like nine interceptions. That was obviously the headline. Everybody's like, oh man, this defense, this offense is struggling. Like I thought it was going to be, you know, lift off of this offense. I thought they're going to get more explosive. They're going to get more um, push the ball downfield. They said today they're a lot doing a lot more checkdowns, a lot more intermediate stuff. Um, so, you know, some people like Mike Preston and everybody else said, you know, where's the deep ball at? You know, where's where's the where's the, the stretch in the field part of the game? And, you know, I had to take a step back a little bit because sometimes when you listen to training camp news and it's not just the Ravens, it's every every team. I'm pretty sure everybody's got their issues of what they're seeing in training camp. The Ravens under with Lamar Jackson and Greg Roman weren't really good at the middle of the field, like middle of the middle of the field stuff they weren't really good at the five to seven to eight yard stuff like they weren't everything was 35 yards or, or, or bust like everything that it was in the air everything was Lamar hold the ball run around a little bit and then toss it downfield like that was the those were the plays that Greg Roman would would draw up on everything how many times do we complain especially on the group chat how many times do we complain about why are they why is it taking so long for the wide receivers to get through their routes. Like why oh, yeah. why are they they're running down the field and we're like they're 20 yards down. Everybody's 20 yards downfield. Why is there nobody running underneath? Why is there nobody running intermediate over the middle? And so when I hear the news like, oh, why they're doing check downs, why they're doing intermediate stuff, I'm like because they they haven't done that in the last five years. They haven't done that. And they're working on that stuff now so it can become it becomes second nature. That when Lamar gets in trouble, you don't have to necessarily take off all the time because he didn't do that in the last few years. He would, again, run around and look downfield for the big play all the time. But now if you get J.K., you get Justice Hill, DuVernay, and some other guys maybe running underneath, you have some other outlets you can throw the ball to. That way, de- defenses, after a while, cued on that. They're like, oh, let's keep everybody back. So either Lamar takes off and runs and keep him in front of us, or we have a chance to pick the ball off or knock it down because we know they're throwing it up top. And they would do that all the time, the defense would. But if you add wrinkles into that and allow check downs and allow intermediate stuff, guys are running underneath. How many times do we complain about why they not on why they only getting Duvernay out there on these jet sweeps? <laughs> they would have Duvernay out there for one jet sweep, and that would be like once every two weeks or something like that. And then you wouldn't see him anymore. Like getting a guy like Duvernay into the slot, I think that's where he's gonna make his make his money there you know underneath browse doing that west welker cooper cup stuff right there bam catch the ball five yards let him stretch it up field i think that's what munkin is going to want to do is wanting to do with this offense it's not necessarily letting them making lamar make all the plays but having everybody else make plays for lamar i think that's going to be key in this offense even though like i said this struggles that's why i had to pick quotation marks around this because i'm like it's it's not i think you got to look deeper than what they're doing and then when they mentioned, I said in late last week when they had the nine picks, they said, one of the people said covering uh, the Ravens said they were practicing third and longs all day. Situational, yeah. That's what they were practicing. I guarantee you, 
most NFL teams, when it's third and 15, third and 20, how many times do we hear the broadcasters and the analysts, former quarterbacks, all of them say, not a lot of plays in a playbook for third and 17. <laughs> you know, a lot of it, you just a wing and a prayer. You hope maybe God doesn't misses his guy, or God falls down or something like that, and God gets open. Or maybe your player just makes a great play and breaks some tackles, but not a lot of plays in a playbook, third and 15, third and 20. So that that was more for I think for the defense or even just the offense getting used to let's seeing what works. You know, yeah. they also did say mention that Todd Munkin has been a lot more aggressive with the offensive play calling in practice and not settling for field goals when they run scrimmages and stuff. Because how many times we've we seen there we just want to get close enough, let Tucker kick it. We want to get close enough, let Tucker kick it. That's there was their biggest struggle last year was red zone. They could not score in the red zone. They could get there. They numerous times they got there, but their red zone percentage was one of the worst in the NFL for playoff teams. They got it. If they can fix that, they can just turn that 180 like they did back in 2019. I think they'll be straight. So right now, there's some concern, obviously concerns from some people saying they're not doing this and not doing that. We're still a month away, folks. We still got a whole month <laughs> until yeah. the first game. So I think I'll pump my brakes just a little. Bit. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's, it's still early. Like you said, it's been it's been a couple of weeks. I mean, that uh, that initial practice right at the end, what you what you said about the nine picks, I'm like, that's that's exactly what I was saying. Like, it was situational. People were panicking, and this happens in every every team. You're gonna get you're not gonna get consistency in any team in the first couple of weeks of camp. It just it just doesn't happen across the league. Any 32 team. Like you said, for that situation specifically, they were practicing situational football, which I can respect because I'm like third and long. I mean, how many games have we seen in the fourth quarter where we have one more opportunity and then on the last drive, we get to third and long super fast. And that was like, now what? And then we don't convert it and then the game's over. So like, I'm sure Munkin, you know, obviously he's bringing in a new regime. We switching over the whole offense, but I'm sure he looked back at our previous history and that's what happened like he's looking at it and you know this is the history of Baltimore so I'm going to practice on some of those weaknesses that we had on top of redoing the uh on top of redoing the whole offense as a whole so I like where we're at um in general um with the team just as far as how we're practicing and the fact that everything's just new um it's not more the same everything is different um with previous offense, even when we switch coordinators, it's kind of like we always see the same thing. We come out week one of the first season for the last several seasons and we see more of the same thing. It seems like Munkin is finally. Oh, we lost, we lost Trey. Awesome. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll, I'll pick up from my bro right there. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, Mike Preston, uh, shut the hell up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's no reason to panic. Like, and this is why. I've heard of so many practices and training camps where Tom Brady threw four picks in a practice, three picks. So I'm not worried about that. We're installing a new offense. And, and from what I've seen at the practices, we are working on so much, so many timing patterns, so many uh, timing routes. So those things take time to establish the flow, um, especially when we have so many West Coast offense uh, concepts that are being built in to take advantage of, you know, some of the good things that Lamar can do. Um, so I'm not concerned about that. Plus, when I read up more on the practice, you know, not only was it third and long, but there was pat there were pass rushers in Lamar's face in uh Tyler Huntley's face um and there are a couple tip balls as well now some of them they were probably just 
ill-advised throws we're trying to figure things out but that's understandable i mean that was one practice they came back their next practice after that horrific uh horrific nine interception ordeal and they said the offense was killing the defense i mean everybody was accurate from the qb standpoint we were catching passes we were great in the red zone um but i think the one thing i've noticed throughout this camp is when a defense decides to be physical i just think our defense is just not getting enough credit from these practices like if you can't be physical with our defense and i think our offense is finding that out which is great because it'll prepare them for the season and the teams they'll face but i think i this makes me more excited about our defense than concerned about our offense yeah, and I, I I agree. I think they they even said you know the the uh, the attitude about it from the team in this training camp is a lot more um, positive this year than obviously look last year they had what they have five or six guys on the pup list and Lamar's contract still weighing and hanging over them and stuff like that. But this year it sounds like again Roquan is now in camp. He's like he, he wasn't in camp last year with the Ravens. He's in camp this year and he can kind of set the attitude for this defense and you know mike mcdonald is running kind of running this offense running this defense again um now you know bringing him back in and um i i i think like i said again adding odell to this team they've already mentioned like him making some of the catches in um training camp he made like a one-handed grab 40-yard touchdown catch and um and uh again the, the superstar presence of odell I think can't be understated. I think that I think they're being talked about here, but I think a lot of people in the NFL media, especially land like nationally, I kind of like, oh, we, we gotta wait and see on Odell. We gotta wait and see. Um, but I think here locally, like in Baltimore, I think that Odell has definitely grabbed the attention of like he's already starting to talk like a Baltimore native now. Um he he's he dyed his hair purple, you know, and yeah, he made a statement said uh, if he didn't get hurt in the, in the Super Bowl game, he was going to have 200 yards and like three touchdowns or something like that. If he didn't get hurt in that Rams Super Bowl. Um, so, look, I think, look, he this is the first time he's felt this good in a long time. Um, I think having that whole year off for him, I think, helped um, getting himself right. And also, I think that, um, again, like, like I said in the last show, I think, you know, Lamar having more control of this offense. It'll be interesting. We're not going to be able to see it, obviously, in – preseason um we'll really see it until week one what this offense really looks like uh obviously i think that like travis said like you said this defense has always been they give a lot more credit they give credit to the ravens defense every year but this year it feels like this defense if that if ojabo and oway if always really they said always been working more on his power rush moves and speed rush they said the last few years He's been last couple of years. He's been working on speed rush and it hasn't worked. And he's been working now, focusing more on pass power rush moves. And that's been, they said, a lot more. There's been you've seen a lot of positive signs from Owe getting to the quarterback, breaking up uh, the, the breaking up the line and causing mayhem there. So if he can, if he can harness that, and then Ajabo is being able to be that outside pass rusher. Uh, you still got Roquan in the middle. We get Marcus Williams for a full season this year. You know, before he got hurt, I think he had three picks in two games. Like, I mean, this defense could be scary. This defense could be really – I know that 
all the focus and everything else has been on the offense this in the offseason. But this defense is quiet is gonna quietly, I think, under the, the leadership of McDonald and Roquan, could be one of the, if not the best defense in the NFL this season. Bully ball. That's what they're going to bring. Bully ball. I mean, like when I've seen, like at the practices I've seen, and these weren't fully padded practices. Like I didn't get the pleasure of seeing them in pads, but you could just tell like the attitude is just on some bully ball type stuff. Um, Kyle Hamilton, like, like I knew he was big and, you know, he had this reputation, but I think he's going to bring a nasty demeanor this year. Now that the game is slowed down for him. And then of course, Roquan's going to be Roquan, but like from what I'm reading, like this defense is just, they're going to punk everybody. I, I honestly feel that. I think, you know, if, if if they don't play well, it may just be communication or mistakes, but I think physically they're going to like bring it every week. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I think Roquan, Roquan with that, with that green dot this year from the top of the year playing a full season, like I, I just think, the momentum is just going to be crazy for this defense. I think that defense under his leadership is going to make all the difference. I mean, we all love Chuck Clark, but, um, you know, he really wasn't like a true anchor of a defense. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Roquan is the true, is going to be the true anchor of that defense. And I think everything is going to run through him. And with him just ha- having a full camp in Baltimore, starting off as the leader in Baltimore, um, I think McDonald now, he can actually show um, what he was brought here to do because he got the pieces around him on that defensive side of the ball to actually execute um, what we're looking to do. So I, I think it's going to be going to be great. I mean, even with kind of our uncertainty with our um, second cornerback position, everything like that, I think we are surrounded um, by enough guys, you know, in other positions that we can kind of compensate for that. I know in the last show I said that it was a big concern. It still is. Yeah. But, but I think that you know with what we're surrounded by i think whoever we put there i think we're still going to be solid enough to to be a top five defense for sure um and, and nobody's talking about us defensively this year no everything's on offense yeah we're not we're not hearing anything um because it's, it's not like we made any major splashes or whatever the case may be but 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 we've seen it you know as a ravens fan as as, as like us guys who've been watching every single game to a T. It's like we we seen with, with Kyle Hamilton, like you were speaking on Kyle Hamilton, like I think he's gonna be like, you know, he's gonna be that dude. Like he's gonna be all pro, I believe, this season. Um and and it, it won't even be, you know, if we got a chance to get a few all pros, we could probably get like three three all pros this year. Um or four. Cause I, I'm I'm thinking Roquan, Marlon can probably jump back in that conversation. I'm thinking um Kyle Hamilton. And who knows, Marcus Williams might might jump in the mix. Like, you, you just never know. I just think we got enough, um, you know, enough talent this year. Or even Patrick Queen. Like, nobody's even talking about Patrick Queen. Like, look how great he played once Roquan got traded to the Ravens. How his game elevated. So, I think, you know, sky's the limit for that defense. And um, I'm excited for the potential. Um, but I really like how they're flying around the ball. Um, in practice, like I, I just don't remember seeing it that active back there in a while. So, sky's limited, of course. I think a big uh, what we need to see, what we as Ravens fans have been dying to see for a while, is that that, Ra- that Ravens defense football. We, we've had they've been good statistically, right? Before 
we've seen good defenses here the last few years statistically, but it hasn't really felt like that Ravens defense, like those defenses that Ray Lewis used to command. Like, I mean, like you said, Travis, that bully ball, they go into a stadium where they be at home or away and we're going to impose our will on you. It's your job to get us off our game. It's your job. We're going to play our game. We're going to, we're going to hit you. We're going to talk trash to you. We're going to throw your helmets across the field. Like, like we're going to, we're going to get in your, we're going to get in your face. We're going to get in your psyche. Like it feels like that attitude is bringing Bart back a little bit. It seems like I'm hoping that's what we see. And I said, it'd be nice to see like a more calm. Like you saw Kyle Hamilton last year being a little bit more, you know, towards the end of the season, I think he got more confident in his play. It'd be nice to see Kyle Hamilton this year make uh, make a take that next step and be a little bit more aggressive. Uh, take that next step and be a little bit more uh, confident and like you know talk trash a little bit. He's out there talking trash to to, to the team and stuff like that. So I, I'm excited for that. And not to mention, from what everybody's saying, I think Peter King and some other national uh, football heads or whatever have said that they think Zay Flowers is going to be the guy this year. They said not only do they think he's going to be the best offensive rookie, they think he's going to be possibly win rookie of the year this year. They're like the way he runs his routes. Um, they said, I know he's only like five nine, but he plays like an X. They're like he plays the outside. He's like, that reminds me of like, that's why Steve Smith fell in love with him. He's like, it's the, he plays like Steve Smith. If he plays like Steve Smith Sr., I, I, that's the, you that's can't funny. ask for more than that. <laughs> you can't ask for more than that. He plays like Steve Smith Sr. I'm, I'm I'm thrilled about Zay, man. Like yeah, Zay's gonna. I'm I'm excited to see him. On I'm the almost field, see I'm almost do. like giddy a little bit. Like yeah, <laughs> for Saturday. Like I don't I don't know how much he'll play Saturday, but they give if him he a plays shot. at all. Yeah. yeah, if he plays at all, I don't know how they're gonna play it. But if he has a drive or two, I'm I'm just I just can't wait. Like it from what it from what it seems like with Monk is off. It doesn't seem like he's signing too many receiver roles i mean i know it's going to be a one two three you know first second third strength whatever but it seems like zay's going to be playing every position um mm-hmm. at wide receiver it seems like odell might be playing every position at wide receiver so and, and that's what we haven't had in a while right we haven't been yeah. able to have guys that can rotate from the slot to the yeah. outside the yeah. guys are just pinned in their position because that's the only yeah. thing they can play <laughs> and even the guys we haven't even been mentioning like no one's really been talking about um Nelson Aguilar like that, yeah. Um, but it seems like even with him, he's been making splash plays in camp as well. So it's 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 a lot to take in, man. We we haven't had this in probably ever. Ever, <laughs> yeah. This never had. This has never happened. Yeah. The closest we got to this is when To signed with us for like twenty four hours and then left when he realized Kyle Bowler was. The oh boy, yeah. <laughs> That's the last time we got this close. Yeah. So, um, before uh, you know, we got here, talk about guys. Obviously, the Hall of Fame induct- induction was this past weekend. Uh, so, Joe Thomas, Rondé Barber, Don Coriel, Daryl Revis, Chuck Howley, Joe Klecko, Demarcus Ware, Ken Riley, and Zach Thomas. Was there anybody on that list you felt like maybe shouldn't have like a first, shouldn't have got in this time? Was there anybody on that list? I have one, but. Go ahead and give you one, because... I, I think it was a Zach Thomas. Zach Thomas? Really? I think he was good. I don't think he was a Hall... Like, I think he may have been past, like, the first or second round. I think he would eventually have gotten in. Yeah. But I, I just... I don't think he was a first round. This was his first... This was his first chance at it, and he got in. So, I was like, 
Oh, first ballot. Yeah. I yeah. Like, I, I, yeah. First, I didn't realize that this was first ballot. This yeah. was his first one. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know about first ballot. Um, I'm. I don't know if I'll argue that he deserves to be there, but yeah, first first ballot. You got to do a lot to be first ballot, and I don't remember Zach Thomas being like. You know what I mean? Cause when I when I think of first ballot, I think of like Ray Lewis and, and guys like that. Like I don't, and I I'm not trying to be a homer, but like he's just the perfect example of who you think of when you hear first ballot. But I mean, maybe I just need to look up his stats and and, and be reminded because I just I don't know. First, first ballot is, is 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 a lot. Honestly, initially I was thinking Rondé Barber, but then I had to go back and check my man's resume. And I didn't realize he hit, he got five Pro Bowls. I think I just always think of him as a slot corner and not really an outside guy. So and then him playing in that Tampa Tampa two zone, I was just like, ah, Rondé Rondé is solid. He's good. He you know he's a Pro Bowl player, but Hall of Famer, I don't know. But does, but does five Pro Bowl? But does five Pro Bowls give you Hall of Fame though? Like I mean, is that like a lot? It's because of that deep. Like you want a Super Bowl, he's part of that defense. He got I mean, he did have. Picks. He had oh, twenty-eight. Okay. He had twenty-eight sacks as a cornerback. Twenty-eight sacks is a lot for a cornerback as far as a career. Um, and he had forty-seven interceptions. That is nuts. So, all right, when you add all of that together, then like again, like I don't think he made a lot of. He wasn't like a guy like a Dion or a Darrell Rivas or whatever. Like he shut down guys a lot, or or like pick sixes. Like he wasn't. He was quiet with the numbers. But when you look at the stats, like eh, forty-seven interceptions. And Darrell Revis was first ballot too, then, right? He was first, yeah. but Darrell. I mean, they, they never named an island after that man. Like, <laughs> but Darrell Revis in his prime, no one threw to him through right. through his side. Like that's Darrell Revis. I think definitely deserved to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Uh, Demarcus Ware was probably one of the greatest pass rushers of his era, for sure. Um, Joe Thomas again, he was. The, the best thing you can do as an offensive lineman is be stability. He was there for a long time. He played with the Browns for most of his career. Thomas is top for most he of was, most that. That man made all pro. He was like a five-time or six-time all pro, yeah. something like that. Like He was one of the greatest like offensive linemen of all time. So, Not mad at that. This, was, but this, 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 this class didn't really feel out of – there wasn't a lot of hoopla around it. It was like – Honestly, I didn't even know – until like literally early this week <laughs> that it, this was happening so i didn't even realize until until i so actually i did realize the preseason game is when i even found out who was being inducted yeah um, so i was, yeah. was kind of like eh. you know there's some there's some led what they call uh not legendary what do they call it like after you pass the Legacy the time, legacy. Yeah, I think that's what it's called. The legacy induction, where they like pass the time limit or whatever, and then the senior crew comes in and picks. You know, yeah, it's like stuff. it's like one guy on here. It's like forty-five years he's been eligible, and they just decided to let him in. I'm like, there, there's there's other people, man. Chad Johnson ain't in there. Terrell, no, Terrell almost made it. Chad Johnson needs to be a Hall of Famer. He was a top receiver for yeah. years. You yeah. know what I mean? And you know, I'm even looking sideways at Demarcus Ware, but I, I'm maybe I really? need to loop really? back. I thought Demarcus. I think Demarcus Ware deserved to be Demarcus on his Ware. on his first go though. That that's my thing. Like, yeah, just a few guys. First go sounds kind of crazy. Joe Thomas makes sense to me because he's been Joe Thomas from the first yeah, year. He's been all pro. He's like no career. He left yeah. out. 
but some of these other guys first ballot is just crazy like it's I, I just to me I feel like you got to do way more when you read me Ronnie Barber's stats I'm like all right cool I'm not gonna argue that that's that's a lot of numbers in, in that period of time but yeah well, I, that's like a what's his name the, the wide receiver for the Cowboys finally got in what two three years ago Drew Pearson oh Pearson. Uh, he was he was he was been eligible for like 30 years that man was campaigning campaigning on social media and everything they put him in the hall of fame maybe it's just an oversaturated uh you know position to to make the hole and maybe i don't i don't know but this was this is dion i think dion made this statement two years ago about talking about the hall of fame and said like as of late he's been he's been highly critical about like the selections in the mm-hmm. hall of fame he's like look him and shannon sharp both he's both. like if they're if they're in the same if we're, we're supposed to be the elite of the elite we're not just this is not the hall of very very good yeah you played 15 years congratulations but were you one of the best at your you were, like shannon sharp revolutionized the tight end position the reason why guys like travis kelsey antonio gates and those guys can can do what they have done is because of guys like shannon sharp Right. And you know Ray Lewis and like those when you when you induct somebody in the Hall of Fame you can look they, as they as I think Dion said or Shannon said I can't remember which one can't I think Shannon Sharp said it can you tell the story of the NFL without this player that's what he said that's the correct can you tell the story of the NFL without this like, over the, when they when they played can you tell that story over those ten or whatever plus years without them if you can they probably don't need to be in there yeah. but yeah they were good. Were they great? Yeah. Um, is Steve Smith in? No, Steve Smith's not in. So I'm looking at this list, right? So Steve Smith has been eligible for a year now. He's mm-hmm. not in. Um, Patrick Willis has been eligible for three years. He's not in. Um, I know why Darren Sharp is not in. Uh, Dwight Freeney's not in. Um, <laughs> ben Coates, which that's Wait, a throwback name. No. Joey Porter's not if in. If Demarcus Ware is in, Dwight Freeney. Demarcus Ware is in. I feel like Dwight Freeney should be. Yeah, in. if Demarcus Ware is in, Dwight Freeney needs. And, Andre Johnson, Heinz Ward. Heinz um, Ward's not in. No, Herman Moore. Uh, Herman Moore. The, come on, man. I can't believe Heinz Ward's not in. Reggie Wayne. If Tory Holt's in, Reggie Wayne needs to be in. Because uh, Tory Holt got in last year, right? Troy Vincent. I don't know if you will throw him in. Yeah. He was one of my favorite players. Troy Vincent was one of my favorite players. In this was nice, yeah. I think it's just a lot of I think it's just so many wide receivers. I think it's really yeah. just it's a log players. jam. It's a log jam there. It's like the numbers really gotta separate you. Yeah. Um, they're I'm, looking I'm, at we talked about just like Heinz Bordeaux, you know, Super Bowl. Yeah. The people that upstairs those Steelers teams, you know. Yeah. yeah. Now they said the team that there's some uh, for next year the players that will be their first time um, eligible for the Hall of Fame will be Julius Peppers, um, Antonio Gates, Pelodi Nada, Brandon Marshall. Uh, Sebastian Janikowski for the kicker. Hmm. Um, they're probably not going to not let Greg Hardy in for obvious reasons. Um, definitely not going. Um, Andrew Luck is up. I don't know if he'll get in. Um, anybody else worth noting? Nope, that's it. So those are like the first timers. I definitely Julius Peppers and Tony Gates for sure. First battle hall of famers. Um, I think they probably got the the best shots at it. Yeah. I think Nada has a pretty good pretty good shot. Um, I think a lot of it too is 
Well, but when they cast the votes, or I think a lot of it too comes down to when who you're up against that year. Like yeah. especially those first time guys that are like you already know, so you know Julie Peppers and Tony Gates are gonna get they're getting slots. Now it just comes down to who the other like four or five guys. Yeah, that's true. I, I kinda wish the NFL did like what MLB does. Like MLB didn't even let anybody in this year at all. They said nobody from that list deserves to be. Wow. <laughs> no. Not so I'm like, they, I'm like, no, nobody, like nobody. Oh. I was like, I would kind of wish the NFL would do take a little bit of a note from Major League Baseball. Like, no, nah, we're gonna make this like a, an elite thing. Like, you just can't get in because oh, it's your turn. You waited 30 years. Here's your chance to get now. No. Man, you know what the biggest tragedy is. Terrell Davis played what four years total, five years total. He's in the Hall of Fame because he had that 2,000 yard season, but. Tiki Barber is not in the Hall of Fame and he has 17,000 scrimmage yards. 17,000. Barry Sanders not in the Hall of Fame. You told him, like, forget numbers, right? Impact. They still show him Barry Sanders highlights to this day. Yeah. Yeah. Like, impact, come on. impact alone. Impact. You got to let Barry in. That has to be part of it, too. Like, I'm pretty sure a lot of running backs there will be like, yeah, Barry Sanders in the Hall of Fame. Like, <laughs> Yeah. That man was an all-star in college and in and played against probably the worst offensive line in football history. They said if you tallied up Barry Sanders' yards that he ran around just to get past the line of scrimmage, you'd be like all-time leader in rushing yards. Like you add up all the like the yards that man yeah. ran around. Man, geez. Yeah. Man, Tory Holt's not in the Hall of Fame. And he I was part of the all decade so, team. Oh, did Isaac Bruce go in? Isaac's in, right? I think yeah, Isaac's in. I think Isaac, Isaac's in. Isaac Bruce might have been the one that went in. So if, if Tory goes in, if Tory or Reggie Wayne go in, then the other has to go in. Yeah. Because I mean Marvin Harrison and Reggie Wayne, Isaac Bruce and Tory Holt like that. Yeah. I mean, if one of the when Reggie Wayne gets in, then I then definitely Tory Holt's gotta get in right there. Greatest show on turf. Like, I mean, come on. So there's a lot of there's a lot of players I think that have been left out. Like I said, Shannon Sharp's been getting paid for Sterling Sharp to get in the Hall of Fame. Yep. Um, so again, it's the, these writers, man. It's these people that have the they have the they have the vote. Their vote is the matters, and they try to wield it as, as much as they can and they let people in whether they like them or not. Remember, remember, this is the same organ. This is the same NFL or I mean, the Hall of Fame group, whatever, who votes on this. This is the same people that helped that made sure that Terrell Owens was not a first ballot Hall of Fame because they didn't like him. He didn't do anything. He didn't wasn't arrested for anything. No domestic abuse or nothing like that because he didn't like the media. Yeah, and, they, so, and they made sure he wasn't a first ballot Hall of Fame. Yeah, you're always going to include the politics. You're always going to have something to do with it. You yeah. got to play nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, play the game, apparently. Before we get out of here, uh, touch on something real quick that I saw uh, just because it's local to the area where I'm in. Um, the Ron Rivera made a comment, I think, yesterday about uh, Eric Bieniemy, saying that uh, some of the players and himself are a little um, taken aback by the intensity that Eric Bieniemy has been apparently has brought to training camp. And then he came back today and said, "Oh, I put my foot in my mouth. I shouldn't have said that." And it just kind of led to this: some players and other, you know, people saying, "This is why the Commanders have been bad for a while now." Like you guys aren't used to winning. Eric Bannemi is used to winning, so he's bringing an intensity here that you guys aren't used to. Because he's like, y'all, like I'm, I'm here to make this offense like elite. 
this year. Now, how much they're going to do with Sam Howell, I don't know. But the fact that they're the intensity is scaring them, even even the head coach. And I was like even Tariq Hill came out in support of Eric Bami, like, nah, this is this was every day, you know, at Chiefs practice. Like this was that's that's how you the difference, right? That's there. winning organizations, yeah. right? Yeah. When you're used to winning, there's a certain kind of mindset you have, right? I mean, so hopefully like, I, I, Ron Rivera again again I, this is Ron Rivera's a little bit on thin ice. <laughs> um they had some opportunities last year to actually make the playoffs. They had a really good chance to. And there were, I think he left was it Carson Wentz or somebody in there a little too long. One of those games that was like really like NFC East game. And they end up losing that game. Um, so he's a little bit on and the, this new regime coming in. I don't think it's gonna have a lot of uh rope for Rob Rivera, you know, to hang on to. So I would Eric Benemy could could get a head coaching gig if he that offense. You got to think about it though. He, like they got Terry McLaurin back there, right? They just drafted John was it Dotson. They got Dotson there now, the other side wide receiver. If they have a healthy, was it Logan Thomas at a tight end? Um, they're going to be bringing back the running back Antonio Gibson. Um, but they, they just signed like another running back too, didn't they? Oh, uh, I don't know. He just signed a. Uh, Say. I don't know. Brian Robinson Jr., right? They got Brian Robinson Jr. out of Texas. Um, so they, they're gonna they're in their defense. Look, you know, Chase Young is still there. They still got Jared, they got Allen and Jonathan Allen and uh Sweat and those guys. Like they still they haven't lived up to their ability yet. But if Eric Bieniemy brings any of that creativity he had in Kansas City to Washington, it could be a little bit of a pretty decent. But, but again, just that comment right there by Robert Vera saying, "Yeah, the players and myself are a little, a little concerned about how intense this man. It's professional football. <laughs> <laughs> like, what are man. we doing? Right? What are we doing out here if we're not going to be intense? I'm we trying to figure out how, in, how intense could it be? Like, is the NFL y'all literally governed by every? rule book every rule in the book like you're not literally not allowed to do anything extraneous right, this ain't the 80s where the right coaches there. could smack you upside they could throw stuff yeah. at you <laughs> 10 years ago like everything's different you can't even practice too much like yeah you, yeah you'll get draft picks taken if you do too much so like i'm trying to figure out what type of intensity you're talking about honestly it sounds like sabotage man like like look this guy is like doing all these great things i know i'm on the hot seat let me throw this out here in the media so, you know, I can make myself look good. That's what it sounds like to me because there's no, I don't know another coach that would be so public about their assistant coach being yeah, intense. Too intense, right? Yeah. Like, usually, yeah. like building them up, like, hey, this guy's intense. He's helping us change his culture. He's killing yeah. it. This sounded like it was so negative. It sounded like sabotage. That's what it sounded no. like. Yeah, it sounds like Pirates yeah. Remorse almost. Like, they're like, oh, we're not really feeling yeah. this dude. No, you, I think you're right, Travis. I mean, with the new regime there now, you know, it, they don't really have any loyalty to anybody. So I'm pretty sure they're looking, Magic Johnson and them are looking at, like, Josh Harris, are looking at, you know, if Eric Bieniemy kind of stands out more as the OC. Like, if he looks at the unit, the OC, the offensive unit, they look at the unit like, they're coached pretty well. They're, they're running smooth. And everything. But Ron Rivera, Riverboat Ron, and doing his, you know, taking his chances and 
causing them to lose games like he did last year, he could be out. He could be out of a job. And Eric Bannon could be taking that spot. And his player, Magic Johnson oh, kind of oh. being front-facing now. Magic Johnson being more front-facing. Because remember, Josh Harris also owns the 76ers and the Flyers, I believe. Uh, so he's kind of more focused on the Philly stuff. Magic Johnson going to be kind of more front-facing, I think, with the Commanders. So if, you know, Ron Rivera may be looking at the, over his back, like, you know, if I mess up, Magic Johnson going to pay right behind me in my place. So you could be right. There could be a little bit more drama to this as the season goes on. We'll see. Yeah. You know, all, all we need to see is that first loss. Something right. Like we that. see that offense. <laughs> like, and with Ron Rivera is like, who do you blame this on? Oh, man, I'm not going to name names. But, you know, you know, yeah. if we just practice a little bit harder on offense, you know, you know, for games and, you know, guys are more responsive, I think, to the coach. I'm not gonna say who, but you know they're more sponsored. Players might try to ride with him too because you know the players love Rivera. Like players, he's a player's coach. Yeah, so it's gonna be interesting that 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 dynamic because you know the enemy. This is for him. This is not the last stop. He wants a head coaching gig. So when you have that kind of dynamic now in the locker room, new ownership, Ron Rivera is on the hot seat. Eric Bieniemy is a new fresh face coming in. Right. I don't think, yeah, again, I don't think I've ever heard a coach. We've heard recently a coach talk about other coaches with Sean Payton talking about Hackett, you know, but I've never heard of it internally saying, yeah, our coach, a little, he's a little too much. <laughs> a little too much. <laughs> Got them head coach aspirations, man. It's kind of, it's kind of weird when you're getting passed up for head coaching jobs and you just got to settle for this one and now we just got to see what happens. Right. So it'll be interesting. Well, this has uh, been a good, I think, first live show. Visual. Got some video. Um, thanks, everybody, for watching. I also will repost this on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube, and all that good stuff. So you can watch it again. Um, thank you guys for listening. Uh, watching football this Saturday against the Eagles. Um, I'm not going to say, I guess, right now what we expect them to do. Like... Because this is the first game. I don't even know he's going to be out there. Like, I don't expect Lamar. I don't expect Odell, Bidik Bateman, J.K. Obviously, not going to be out there. Um, oh, Keaton. What's his name? Keaton Mitchell? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah Keaton Mitchell. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited, I'm excited to see that. I mean, they, they've been – sorry, I mean, I know we're ending, but that's that's going to be probably the guy I'm going to be looking for the most. Um, what position did he play? Running back. Running back. Running back, okay. Yeah. The Ravens have to decide if they're going to keep – you know, three or four running backs because yeah. they don't, they're not going to keep four, but they they could if if he turns out to be that dude. So the JK thing could be deeper than what it is. Like if you yeah. keep playing around, I heard Keaton is going crazy in camp right now. Yeah, he's actually taking Melvin Gordon's slot. Melvin Gordon ain't been yeah, participating Melvin. as much. Yeah, yep. yeah. That's um, the other Melvin. thing. I'm, I'm kind of ex- I'm hoping to see uh, maybe if Demas Deont- was it Deontay Demas. Junior from Maryland, yeah, um, is out there and get some get some play. Like I said, I'm excited. I'll be. We haven't heard a lot about the um, uh, wide receivers are in camp outside of Odell and like the made the big four. We haven't heard really much about everybody else. So you know, obviously preseason is this this mostly their time to shine. We know the top guys aren't aren't going to be. Um, it'd be nice to see Zay out there for maybe a play or two. It would be nice just to see. Um, but obviously we don't want to, you know, mm-hmm. our injury history right now, this season has been pretty good. <laughs> it's been pretty good this off season. Yeah. I think they want to keep it. Um, 
So we will. I know. Uh, I guess Josh Johnson's gonna get the start, or is it gonna be? I don't. They've been saying it's been. He's been getting the two. He's been playing with the twos a lot during training camp, and it's kind of been Huntley been with the threes and the scout team. So yeah. they're gonna, they're both gonna play, but right now Tyler Huntley seems like he may be on his way out right now. Didn't Isn't they, it? Didn't they technically sign him? Yeah, they yeah. signed him. He got rich today. Uh, was it tender? Oh, yeah, tendered him. He got about two tender. years, I think. Yeah, but isn't isn't it funny? Remember, just two years ago or a year ago, fans were like, "Oh man, Huntley could be our starting quarterback." Yeah, they were smoking that. This good man ain't this man ain't man make it as the backup quarterback for this team. It may end up on on the practice squad. Yeah, Johnson been doing his thing. He has a stronger arm too. Yeah, yeah because so, with, with, with with Roman's offense. It made sense. Yeah, but, but with uh, this, I don't think he fits in offense. Kind of offense. I don't know if it. Yeah, it's not the same. And then you know, look, Pat Ricard trying to find a spot too because he's practicing the offensive line now. Like he's, <laughs> I yeah. don't even think Monk is going to be using the. This doesn't even sound like Monk is using the fullback. Mm-hmm. It seems like in practice. Doesn't sound like it. If he's playing the offensive line, like, it doesn't even sound like he's going to be using running back. I mean, fullback like that. Yeah. Um, so it, it should, it'd be interesting to see who's out there, who shines and whatnot, and but no, you know. You know who takes the next step because again, they're gonna, I think it's gonna be interesting to see who plays, especially at the secondary cornerbacks, especially because of the injuries they've had as of late, and you know they're still not exactly the deepest as they want to be. So it'd be nice to see some guys shine a little bit, and you know, of course, there'll be some camp cuts. I think in a week or two, uh, so they'll probably pick up some guys. But yeah. um, thanks everybody for watching. Make sure you follow us, um, like it, and subscribe, all that good stuff, and uh, we'll catch you guys next week oh and i also i hope the ravens lose this saturday <laughs> i'm sick of this i'm sick of this preseason win streak they keep talking about so i'm proud sick of it. i i i cannot games. i can't stand it lose i hope munkin does it on purpose i hope they get to like <laughs> I hope they get to like the goal line he just like fumbled it just like we lose their preseason game. They're going to sound the alarm. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. Man, look, the local media, because of how much <laughs> how much they... We can't even lose in practice. Can you imagine we lose the preseason game? <laughs> how, much no they, how much the fans here have latched on to that preseason win streak? It's crazy. Browns fans should be excited about that. Texans fans should be excited about that. Yeah. Not not Ravens fans. We have higher standards. We should have higher standards. Preach. We do. I hope they lose one of these games. One of these three games. I hope they lose. End it. I don't want to hear any more news articles wasting ink <laughs> on this mess. Anyway, sorry my little rant, but understood. That's it. We'll catch you guys uh, next week. Peace. Peace.